Hi, my name's Jeff, your friendly podcast host, bringing you positive stories from South London. We're so glad you've joined us today. This is a place for you to find out how to look after your own health, but don't worry, that's not scary because we'll be introducing you to community organisations who are out there to give you a helping hand. All organisations' features are credible, evidence-based, providing free support in London. So if you're feeling lonely, feeling lost with your health and well-being, feeling disconnected, or if you just need to pick me up from the end of a long day, this is the place for you. So sit back and get ready to listen to positive stories of resilience and community spirit and take some time to think about your own health and how the environment impacts that. Let us know what your thoughts are by commenting and like us. Please sit back and enjoy the show with love, the Community Bridges team. Welcome back, guys. It's the sixth episode of the Community Bridges Spotlight season. Today, we are going to be talking to the London Dares Project. They're a CIC using therapeutical dares to build body confidence. We're going to be lucky enough to speak to the founder and body confidence coach, Ursula, and one of their clients, Michelle. Do make sure to get involved with Community Bridges by visiting our website at www.communitybridges.co.uk for more information and to leave your feedback. But for now, sit back and enjoy the show. But tell me a little bit about you guys and what you guys do. Sure. Um, so we're called London Dares Drama Co. Um, and we um, run workshops, um, we run a programme called the Dare Sessions that help, helps people um, grow in confidence, learn self-compassion and love their bodies um, through setting, uh, through the use of drama and dares. Right, okay, so I like this idea of dares. I used to do a lot of drama when I was younger and never came across this. So is this very much street drama? Is it, is it, do you go outside a lot? Do you call each other dares? Do you get to follow each other's and practice each other's walks and stuff? <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I've looked at the website. Educate me. I'm interested into what the details are here. Um, um, so I guess each... The dare kind of works on different levels. Okay. So there's 12 different sessions, which are all quite unique, and the dare is used in a different way in each of them. I mean, the overall concept is you are pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm. You are trying things that maybe you might feel quite anxious about mm. um, in a really supportive environment. And then the result of that is that you feel more confident when you're supported um, to achieve the dares. Yeah. Um, and the dares are, kind of, are always something theatrical, Um and fun and playful and I guess one of the really key things is that we I really wanted to set up an organization where self-development could be fun and that learning about yourself could be fun mm -hmm. so when I've kind of created these dares with the rest of the team as well um, we've thought about things that will um, increase people's confidence and are really fun and silly at the same time so for example um, one of our dares is that um, team, people in the group are split into teams mm -hmm. and they are given a box and they all open the box and inside the box when they open off the lid there are lots of props and costumes mm -hmm. and then they dig down and at the bottom of the box there's a piece of paper and they pull it out and it says 
dear darers <laughs> dot 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 yeah. um your dare is to <laughs> oh, no, um okay. is to um create um choreograph and perform a blues brothers routine for example right, okay um, yeah. so this is one dare we do that is actually people love that one it goes down really that's really really fun the fun characters um, to play though yeah. blues brothers they are fun. <laughs> um and yeah so we just take inspiration from lots of types of performance from dance as well as drama um and from i guess from from activists as well okay. and poets mm. and like like we use art in the very kind of broad term um and take inspiration from anywhere that we feel that like might have something that could help people connect with emotionally and move forward on their journey in some way mm. Do you think um, inhibitions then are the things that can hold us back a lot from expressing ourselves or finding ourselves? Because it sounds like I remember, like I said, when I was younger, drama was a big thing. And I'm assuming drama is a background of yours. Is Mm -hmm. that where you've cut this has kind of come from? Yeah, so originally um, I trained in theatre acting um, and then in using theatre and performance as practice. Okay. Yeah. So I always remember, it was always about lowering your inhibitions when you first walked on. It was about getting rid of your inhibitions so you could get into character, etc, etc. Is it a play on that and and kind of an evolution on that where losing or, or, or understanding where your inhibitions lie and how they can affect your day to day life and interactions with other mm-hmm. people as simple as someone might not have the confidence to go up and speak to someone else mm-hmm. who they've not met before as simple as that mm-hmm. just because they haven't been introduced to this mm-hmm. um technique to to mm-hmm. not worry about what might happen and just kind of do it do you, do you think that's a big part to play in this so i what we do is we take the skills that actors might use for confidence on stage mm. and kind of package them up in a tool that they can use and exactly what you're saying about inhibitions so when people do come onto our course mm. um and the majority of people on our course you know are coming because they do have inhibitions they are anxious about some aspect yeah. of their life whatever that might be um and that kind of the really good thing about using theater in breaking down some of these barriers and inhibitions that people have um, is these tools that actors use for confidence on stage that, yeah. that can then, tran- then translate into our day-to-day lives mm. very easily. Mm. Um, so I guess an example of this would be, let me pick one of one of our favourites. I'm sure there's many. So there's a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> um, so one example um, would be our status cards. So we use a pack of cards for one of our dares during the sessions. And we have numbers from two to ten. So if you just imagine a pack of mm-hmm. cards in front of you, two to ten. Um, and... Um, we would say that number two is when you're feeling at your least anxious, mm-hmm. um, uh, your most anxious, sorry. And then number 10 would be like top of that scale when you're feeling your most confident. Right. Um, and we would invite people to literally pick and choose their confidence based on this scale of playing cards. Mm. And we act that out and try it and put it into a scene. And then people would see quite quickly uh, through the activity that they are able to, mm. despite what inhibitions they bring, mm. play a seven confidence, play a yeah. nine of confidence, and they can turn that up and they can turn that down and we mm. can get them to demonstrate that in front of us. And then they realise that they're more in control than they think. Of their and confidence. Of their confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and that's a really key part yeah Yeah, i can imagine how powerful that is actually i've never thought about it like that uh just being able to actually control your confidence is probably the first step um yeah i never thought about that i like that so so when did this start then how long ago did you actually start the company the organization because it's not a company so cic is it Um, no so we 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 were yeah we're a charitable company we're a social enterprise not for profit social enterprise uh we originally uh was set up in 2013 um it's not it's not young it's got it's it's got its legs behind it it's yeah yeah we've been running our programs now for seven years i think yeah seven years okay um and we were prototyped originally by a group of women from Southwark and Lambeth. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they so were the first people to from. take. Part, they were the first people mm. to take part in our course. Um, originally funded by Lambeth Clinical Commissioning Group, um, and from then on, we've kind of. It's not been an easy ride. It's been quite a struggle sometimes <laughs> growing yeah. a social enterprise. Yeah. Um, not everything has been on our side, but we have hung in there, and we've delivered our programs now for over a thousand people. During wow, that time. Okay, yeah. so yeah. So a thousand people have been impacted then. And what yeah. is the main impact? What do you see the 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 biggest benefit for the for the people who come actually use the services? So the biggest benefits are the life changes that people are able to make as a result of attending the course. Mm. So I guess as a direct result of taking the course, they're gonna come away with more confidence. Um, they're gonna have broken through some barriers, some anxieties, which might be um, embarrassment, which might be nerves about something or other. It might be making friends. Yeah. Um, a lot of people come in our courses to connect and to make friends. Yeah. That's a really, uh, that's I think that a lot of the feedback we hear. As well. <laughs> Say that again. I think that might become even more popular yes. over the next uh, yes. the 12 months or so. Yes. Um, so uh, it's, it's when people contact me after the course is done and talk about the changes that have happened in their life which is the real benefits that we see Mm. so we have people that have changed jobs we have people that are dressing in clothes that they didn't feel confident enough Mm. to wear before Uh, we have people that get on stage if that's what they want to do actually it does inspire people to get more involved in the performing arts Mm. Um, we (laughs) did have one participant who joined a dance class um, that they'd previously been really really anxious about and hadn't felt able to do and then after completing the course they committed and went back to their dance class and uh, and, uh, just loving it now Um, so I think that's kind of the crux of it is that people feel they can take risks yeah they can take risks to, to do what they want to do risk, yeah. because that's what we really believe you know we believe that no one should be held back from achieving what they want to get out of their lives because they're worried about their body and their looks mm. and that's the driver that's the driver for me yeah okay and obviously london dare so you can find you, you find a website by ldn that's right isn't it yes london correct dares. <laughs> just so i've got that right um but it is. It's all. It's about using the body, right? It's not. Ju- it's not just about the dares and and, and mm-hmm. the the inhibitions, etc. It is about getting used to your body, being comfortable in it, and using it in the way you want to, mm-hmm. which is a big part of that. So, I mean, was that always your vision? Then was it, was that always a big part of your acting career as well, or, or your acting studies? Shall I say? I think it's really interesting 
having been an actor and having worked as an actor in my 20s and I think it's probably one of the things that really inspired me to set up this company is that there's so much pressure on actors to look a certain way for a certain part and you you harbor all these inhibitions and all mm. these fears and all this kind of pain and stress inside as part of your role as an actor so I think that's definitely kind of influenced the process uh, because it's really interesting with acting because on one hand you're shown and taught and demonstrated all these skills of confidence and yet they're so taken away with the other hand just because of the nature of the industry mm. um what was the rest of the question i forgot <laughs> the bit before it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as in, it does it it falls in line with your vision isn't it? it's always been the vision to get people more confident in their body mm. get them used to that or has that kind of adapted since you've started it because it's been a long time 30 uh, yeah. seven years or so yeah no and i've grown a lot in that time and it's um I think the thing that I have learned, so since then, I've got a lot involved in mental health education um, and also have become a body confidence coach. Mm. So there's kind of been more skills. Obviously, the team has grown and I've brought on some fantastic um, facilitators on board that have also added to what we do. But the thing that has really changed is, I guess, that real underpinning and understanding of the link between mental health and physical health mm. and how they are intrinsically linked and how they both really help the other yeah, so in our yeah. in our courses you know that's really what we strive to do mm. um and a lot of, i think a lot of people see or understand that from a from a fitness point of view so people know if they go on runs regularly they will feel better or go to the gym i think that's yeah. out there a lot but what people don't talk about is that you don't necessarily have to go to the gym or go for a run. It might be just going to a dance class. Mm -hmm. um, probably does a surprising amount for your... Because your, obviously you're still getting the anaerobic. Mm -hmm. I mean, dance particularly, you're getting the anaerobic. But even like an acting class or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be using your body for fitness. It can just be using your body for another... Uh, in another way, right? Yeah, that, that yeah. That can be the key, the key yeah. really. Just moving your body. I mean, just moving your body in any way, just moving your body in the drama room is incredibly beneficial on, on loads of levels. I mean, what would I, which one shall I choose? I guess, <laughs> I, guess, um, I guess one of the really interesting things um, about moving our body is that a lot of our stress is held in our muscles. Um, so when we are moving our body, just for enjoyment, mm. not down the gym doing weights or that kind yeah, of yeah, typical idea of exercise that yeah, you speak yeah. of, um, but once we are uh, using those muscles and releasing those um, kind of muscles, actually we just release a lot of stress, mm. a lot of stress. So what's, obviously it's, uh, it, the vision's still going well, but what are the biggest challenges you've kind of come up against? Obviously this year will touch on in its own entity, I'm sure, mm -hmm. because it's probably changed again since 2020 mm -hmm. started, but what were the biggest challenges that you were finding to actually make this work? Okay, so tory austerity and COVID. Everyone finds that difficult. Everyone, yeah. it's a nightmare. A massive, <laughs> ongoing challenge. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, at the, was it March, we went into lockdown and uh, all our funders pulled out. Yeah. Um, uh, we had our first contract pulled out. We lost, we lost everything. We lost all the money that we had. And I really had to sit there and have an honest discussion with myself and think, 
how much do you want this mm. and how much are you going to fight for it? Because this is going to be a big fight. Mm. It's always been a hard fight, but this is up the gear. This is going to be a really big fight now. Um, and I had to choose, you know, am I going to let this go or do mm. I really, really believe in what I'm doing and the course I've created and its, and its ability to change lives, which which I do yeah. so I fought and I've pulled back that money but my goodness it's not been easy mm. it's been really hard um so that's one of the challenges um other challenges would be finding suitable spaces in London yeah that's really imagine. difficult to yeah. run our workshops that are um, um private and um, clean and with the decent floors so that protect people's knees mm. that we can afford with a stage like we always really struggle if there's any of your listeners that can help us out um, <laughs> <laughs> we always are looking for a space so please get in touch with me okay. um, <laughs> and all the links to do that will be on the, yeah. the, the information at the bottom oh cool <laughs> <laughs> um also, just um, financial pots, you know, getting yeah. smaller, um, more organisations going for them. That's always um, tricky. Um, and just the effects of body image itself on the say, nation. The biggest one, really, the media which, probably, right? And just the more people that need help all the time, which with COVID, you know, um, has really emphasised this and that actually the need is greater now. The need is greater mm. now more than ever before. Um, and the influence of media is spreading around the world um, and the media is an absolutely massive one um, and are we talking about the, the I'm assuming we're talking about the, the the fame media is it media from the, the famous side because they've always taken the pictures of people's bodies they are showing it in, in positives and negative ways or pushing a certain type of body mm -hmm. image etc etc is that what is that what you mean from the yeah media there's point pushing body images um, and but even more so just comparisons, mm. I think. I think one of the biggest people challenges that people have online, and people have been online now more than ever before, yeah. is making those comparisons about their life and their lifestyle and their body and their looks um, compared to other people's and then the impact that it has on them. And mm. if they have nowhere to put that, actually keeping all those emotions inside is really detrimental to our, our mental health. And the, the um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? The, not the result of that, the, no, that's fine, that works too. Uh, the consequence. <laughs> consequence. <laughs> the consequence. The consequence of that, of course, would be more, could be more people um, self-harming, could be more people wow. um, staying away from the gym, could be more people... Um, not connecting with others, not going out into their communities. Um, but even on the other side, going to the gym too much. Absolutely. Going to the gym too early in youth. I know there's a big problem in... in uh, other young, young women definitely have a, a problem very much on a different side, though. Young boys are, um, in the last decade, bigorexia has become a, a thing where... Young teenage boys are just going to the gym to get as big as they possibly can, but it's mm -hmm. it's it's not understood in regards to the actual health benefits or health negatives. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting to see how uh, disattached we are with body image. Mm -hmm. What is actually the right body image? What is actually healthy? What isn't? Um, mm -hmm. Having twenty three inch arms mm -hmm. is not necessarily healthy. It's a lot of strain on your heart, for mm -hmm. example. So yeah, but it's it's something that I haven't really thought of in, in that kind of broadness how how associated they are with each other. But what's your what's your favourite part of the day then? Because it must be quite a fun 
world to work in all these dares all these like <laughs> acting stuff what's the favorite part of it what's the best part oh i can only choose one <laughs> um so <laughs> i would say the favorite part of my day i think of two or three the favorite part of my day would be oh, i haven't done this for a while now because we've been working online but in the in the it's not really my day at the moment but yeah, being in the drama room yeah with the participants working with them is my absolute favorite place to be. Um, also planning with my team. I've got a really incredible team um, thinking up dares with them in our planning sessions and organizing um, how we're going to um, support people on mm. the next part of the course mm. is, is really, really fun as well. So uh, they would be my top two. Brilliant. And, and like you said, you're kind of missing out on those two at the minute, aren't you? Yes. And what's what's coming up then? What's what's going to change in the future? Back, to, Hopefully more back to the old style. Is that the aim? Yeah. So, well, we, we have a bit of a transformation, but we will. I mean, I don't think anything's ever really going to beat the face-to-face -face live course and the power of doing drama together in a room. So that's what we want to get back to. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, we have recorded um, some body image hot topic videos okay, um, which are yes so they're being released um, throughout November and December on a weekly basis oh, every brilliant. Wednesday okay. um, across all of our social media channels which are YouTube Instagram Facebook mm -hmm. Twitter LinkedIn um, uh, discussing some um, body image hot topics that have been put to us by young people um, and it's the, all the team that are answering their questions so I definitely tell people to look out for them um, and we again, we'll put the links in the, the description below for that. Oh, Definitely. Fab, fab. And okay. um, we're also producing our first online course, okay. um, which will be available for purchase from our website. Um, and the course has been designed to hold a kind of wealth of information created to support people with their body image. Um, and it's really for the individual wanting to nurture a positive body image for mm. themselves and gain confidence for themselves. And there are four main parts to the course. One of them is called the Actors Toolbox. One of them is called Confidence Theory. One of them is Activist Textbook. And the other is called Coach's Treasury. Um, and so are these all separate parts of the courses, are they? It's all, is they're all kind of... Oh, oh, sorry, oops. Sorry. They're all separate. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> they're all separate parts they're all separate modules to the same right, course right okay so to yeah, the same four course. modules or so yeah, yeah okay yeah Oh, brilliant okay yeah. and that's when that when's that coming live then was that um so we don't have a specific date um but we're hoping for christmas oh, christmas okay we're hoping for christmas so something to look forward to yeah. and get into in the new year definitely yeah okay. definitely brilliant and have you got any um is there intention for the the groups to start opening up again in person next year or have you got have you got plans for that yeah. or is it just kind of holding out and so, seeing what happens next? it's a tricky one to answer it is. yeah I, can um, imagine. I would like to think we we're going to have a course um happening from february oh great okay. that's so what we're long. aiming for that's yeah, yeah. what we're so it won't be in january but i think from february we might be back to having our first um first uh dare sessions hopefully so we we'll have to try and get down and get involved in that. I like the idea oh. of these dare sessions. <laughs> uh, I mean, is there anything you want to tell the guys out there listening about the organisation? How to get involved? What to do to get involved? Any, any, any. Anything? So to get involved, I would just recommend going to our website. Mm -hmm. All the information's there. Okay. Yeah. And, and let me read that out just so we get that right. So it's ldn dares dot co dot uk. 
Perfect. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah, okay. that's it. Well, Ashley, thank you very much. Thank you. And um, I think believe you've brought a guest with you. I have. You? I have. Brilliant. We'll have a little chat with Michelle. Oh, it's called What the Trans? Okay. Oh, are we recording now? Yeah. Good God. I tell people when we're recording yeah, and we, you, just, right. you just trick you get, me into it. You get a better it. conversation um, out of it. So come on, tell me about your podcast. I'm interested about this. All right. This is what it feels like to be on Mark Maron's show. <laughs> I know that he does this. Um, it's called What the Trans. Um, came from because I sort of felt housewares. How can you swear? I just, well, you can do what you want. Don't worry. I can cut. If you swear too much, I'll beat you out. All right, I'll try and uh, go back. So the podcast came from when I fell ass backwards into journalism, kind of by mistake. I got a thing out. I, my first like assignment I gave myself five years ago was to go to like a trans beauty pageant, and I got a thing in the New Statesman just by complete fluke. That led to jobs at Pink News and stuff, and I fell in love with doing the journalism thing. Yes. I just fell in love with it. And then anti-trans nonsense in the UK rose exponentially since 2016 because in 2015 for pink news i covered the uh, gender recognition act reform consultation no con not in 2015 i covered the parliamentary inquiry into transgender equality so you've been doing this for over five years the podcast has been two years i've been doing journalism okay. five years right okay. okay and so that was where kind of this big panic in the uk over gender recognition act reform starts and over the last five years it got to silly bit where I think like the pinnacle of it was a JK Rowling oh. out of herself as a nightmare bigot person. I'm She's Michelle. such a donut though, isn't she? I mean <laughs> I was about to say I'm Michelle Snow, I speak only for myself. She on Twitter, she threatened to sue people I know Honestly. because they called her out for her bigotry and it is bigotry. JK Rowling, my name's Michelle Snow, come at me. Um, <laughs> but yeah I like never liked Harry Potter anyway if I'm honest. Never seen it. Fell asleep on the first one twice. I was I was a bit too old for it when it happened. I discovered punk rock and weed. But yeah, like since then, I sort of watched like trans stuff become this huge thing, and the trans community wasn't having any kind of reporting. There was no community reporting. There was some stuff happening in Pink News, and there was some stuff happening in various places. But trans journalists covering trans issues, mm. incredibly rare. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Like there's maybe I know of ten in the whole of the in UK. The in the UK, okay. Yeah. And m most of those do opinion stuff. There's only a couple that do news reporting. Mm, okay. And on the podcast, we do a bit of both. But um, yeah, there's a lot. I've just discovered in the last few months, there's a long history of people in the LGBT community doing what we've done. And I had no idea about this, but Christine mm. Burns, um, legend in the trans community, a lot of listeners probably will have no idea who she is, but she's one of the, her and her friends and her people she worked with are one of the reasons why the Gender Recognition Act actually happened in 2003. There was a lot of EU human rights stuff going on as well, yeah. but she was on the ground fighting that for years. And it turned out she was essentially making a version of, well, a better version, I would say, of what the trans at the time, or like the ideas that went into why I wanted to do what the trans. Mm. Like she did the same thing. And then I have a friend who works at the British Library who does like archiving. Okay. And she was telling me that she was doing like archiving pirate radio from Soho during the like AIDS epidemic right, in the okay. 80s and listening to those she was like it sounds like they're doing the same thing you are so this is tradition that i had no idea about i'm just very very grateful because i'm just very very grateful for um all the nice things that people have said about it and i'm very very happy that it's helped because people have said that it's helped like i got a message the other day from some kid in like minnesota 
never heard oh, of wow. trans person so movie, except like the world, people yeah. on TV. You know, they, like they had like Janet Mark and Laverne Cox mm -hmm. on TV. They have a lot more trans people on TV than they do here in the UK, but never really heard a trans person be raw. Mm. Like we swear, we don't really hold back our emotions. When we do news reporting, we read out our thing with as little emotion as possible. Then we come in with our emotional response. Yeah, okay. And people have said that they found that very validating. Oh, probably something they can connect to. Yeah, that, and many have said the thing that they like is it's just, oh, thank God, it's not just me. Because mm. that can be one of the things. If you've got trans people in small towns, there's like one in a town of like a thousand people. Yeah. Very easy to think that you're like, the biggest freak in the world, the only person the like only you ever. The only one that exists, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know what they, the, and that's a big part of our audience is people that have just come out and they're just searching for trans stuff on everything. Like mm -hmm. they go on the podcast out search for trans stuff. We come up, we're one of the first ones that come up. And yeah. yeah, like I didn't really see that coming. I kind of hoped that that would happen, but then, yeah. Didn't necessarily believe it before it, before it happened. Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I'm not delusional or anything. I don't think that we're basically Joe Rogan levels. And for the record, screw Joe Rogan. He's one of the worst people who's ever lived. I don't <laughs> like him. Um, but I never saw a gain as far and it's ridiculous. I'm just so glad that I could do something to help because being trans in the UK right now, it sucks. It just sucks. Yeah, I can imagine it's not been made easier either. Well, it's not made anything easier, but but then it's a tough world to live in, I bet. It really is. It, it can be. It's just more than just a cis people in the press and cis people in the government used us for their own ends and then they abandoned us and during all of that a bunch of hate groups started getting platformed in the mm, press yeah. the times at the worst of it was publishing anti-trans nonsense every week in fact they just published some yesterday oh really all the times yeah all all the time in the times and then the right. daily mail picks it up the telegraph picks it up one of the worst examples, the Daily Star invented the myth that Ian Huntley, the sole murderer, was transitioning because they wanted to get people angry at the idea that Ian Huntley would transition and go into a woman's prison. Right, okay. For over a year, that was the story, and that was used to basically hammer any trans person online. Every trans person I know got sent images of Ian Huntley saying, look, they're one of you. Ian Huntley's like you. And then, like, after a year, the Daily Star retracted it. None of the others did. So there are now, and for a year that was mm. out there. Mm. So this myth, this nonsense lie, colored people's perceptions of what trans people are, and no one ever been held account to it. Mm. Like I banged the drum on the podcast, and that's what the podcast became debunking media lies all the time. Mm. Well, someone needs to do it. There's, yeah, there's it, a lot out there. Uh, and obviously, being, you found your niche, so you know where you sit. But I think, I think there's many parts of. Uh, the media that need to be scrutinized more and um, ripped apart a little bit and questioned. I think they lie on a lot of aspects, but... Yeah, when I went into DARE, which had a different name though, it was called Project DARE. I was going to say, how did Dare. we get into this organization then? Is it, was this, which came first? Did this, did London the DARE give you the confidence to go into this or was it the other way around? What happened there? When I got involved with London DARE's, that was a really weird time because at the start of it, I was completely mentally gone. Okay. I didn't know half of this at the time, but I was suffering from severe depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. PTSD, and severe ADHD. I only knew about the depression and anxiety. Okay. I didn't know about the PTSD stuff, really, or the ADHD stuff till this year because lockdown, you have to sit inside and think a lot. Yeah. But yeah... Um, <laughs> And so I, I didn't understand how screwed up I was. And then I got this email from the recovery college saying, we're going to do a focus group 
and we're going to pay you 20 quid. And I was like, I need the money. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. why I went. Yeah. I was just like, they were just like, right, we're going to need LGBT people to come sit in the room and talk for an hour. We'll give you 20 quid. And I was like, I'm on benefits and I'm screwed and I can't work. I'll take yeah. the 20 quid. Went there, gave some ideas, forgot about it. And then Ursula called me and was just like, do you want to be on the first, like the first LGBT dares course? And I was mm. like, and because of all the stuff that's going on, I used to be very indecisive before I woke up to these issues that I have. Mm. And I was like, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. But then I realized that essentially this course is worth money. I'm being offered it for free. And it's going to be full of like LGBT people. So I was like, screw it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I missed the first two because that's how screwed up I was. Okay. Like I just overslept. Yeah. Because okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I was not well. Mm. But then I got into it and something weird happened. Sorry, go on. So start, start that little bit again. <laughs> and something weird happened because when I started attending, because I've been to other little things like that before. And I've been to other things since. But the mm. problem was, I'm a very different kind of person from most people that they meet. I'm a transgender abuse survivor who has severe ADHD. Mm. My brain does not work like other people's on a foundational level. N people can go their whole lives without meeting a person like me. In the trans community, there are loads of people like me. Outside yeah. of it, I may be the first trans person most people have ever met most mm. of the time. I'm mm. alienated by on several different axes. At Project Dare, or London Dare as it's called now, that was never the case because I was in a room full of people where being trans was the least interesting thing about me. <laughs> yeah, And yeah, that yeah. was, like I was the only trans woman there. There was a couple of non-binary people, but I was the only trans woman there. And okay. I've been in courses, like there was a comedy course I did. And it was just pointed out to me subtly and unsubtly every five minutes that I was a transgender woman. <laughs> and it's like, I know. And it's just like, um, it's because cis people find us endlessly fucking fascinating. I'm sorry. <laughs> that sounded angry. It's just, I'm sick of it. <laughs> like, I'm tired of it. Um, that was never the case with Project Dare or London Dares because London Dares, Ursula told me that she started that, the LGBT Dares program because she did the thing that allies do. And I talked to a lot of allies on the podcast who do ally specials. Mm. And I always ask, how did you become aware of transgender issues? And Ursula told me that she basically looked online, cried, and wanted to do something. And I was just like, yes, Ursula's the kind of person I want to get to know. Mm. That's exactly the kind of, that's empathy. Mm. And that's rare. And that permeated all the way through the course. It really did. Like one of my favorite things, there were two. And they're kind of linked, but there was two. Actually, no. I'm going to start with a thing I hated. I hated oh, the cool. dancing. Okay. And Any particular reason? Just not a dancer? Well, people don't seem to understand gender dysphoria, so I'm going to give a little explanation of what that can be. Okay. Gender dysphoria is basically like the medical term for when a trans person is very upset with how their bodies or how themselves are. Mm. There is a mismatch that is very hard to describe to a cisgender person who may not... I've done it. It's different from body issues. It's borderline existential. Mm. And there are many different ways to deal with it. There is the movie version, which is a 10-year-old kid crying because they can't wear a dress, mm. which can happen. But gender dysphoria in reality, for a lot more people, is disassociation. I didn't think about my body or anybody else's body really for 20 years because it was too painful. Mm. So I just completely disconnected from those feelings in my head. 
And so when it came to dancing, the problem for me was I had to reconnect with my body. Right. And that was... Okay, because you spent so many years just ignoring it, ultimately, and not moving it, right? Not connecting to it. Is that... Yes, I hated doing it at the time, but I think in the long run, it was good for me because suddenly... I started thinking about other people's bodies and my own because I suddenly noticed, and I'd never noticed it before, that men have broad shoulders. Mm. I'd never noticed it. I'd never seen it. I never looked. Right, okay. Then it turned out I quite like shoulders on a guy. Like, that's, <laughs> is that a weird thing? I, I don't think that's weird, right? Like, I, really, I, I don't know. I see broad shoulders. Like, I want to get to know that guy. Right, okay. I don't know what that, don't know what that means. Uh, if any listeners are like out big there. Backs? Sorry? It means you like big backs? I don't know. I can't describe it. It's just, I find myself looking, if I see broad shoulders walking down the street, I just find myself looking at them. Just like, I want to get to know that guy. And I don't understand why. But yeah, like I started looking at other people's bodies. I started looking at my own and just understanding like what the shapes are and stuff. And yeah, so even the stuff that I didn't enjoy doing at the time had a benefit, but the stuff that I really enjoyed doing and had a benefit, there was a treasure hunt. Okay. And there was a couple of people dressed as pirates and detectives and stuff. And we'd have to go around this wonderful park and just do all of these lovely little things. And one of them was basically you have to sit down and the dare is, because we do dares. Yeah. You have to dare, you, you have to basically sit there as people say nice things about you. Oh, that's quite hard to do sometimes as well. Yeah. That I mean, is surprisingly hard to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, especially <laughs> like with my history, because, you know, people with, C- with CPTSD will know what I mean here. Mm. Accepting a compliment a lot of people with that diagnosis have been trained to believe the worst about them. Mm. Because that is an axis where abusers can come in and make you do whatever they want. Mm. And so sitting there, I found myself thinking of all the reasons why this, these things they were saying were not true about me. Mm. But then I believed them because we had become close over the course. This was like week seven or eight when the trash okay. happened. Yeah, so yeah. I knew them all very well and we'd become a close group. So I trusted them and I could believe them. Mm. And that was a huge step for me. And then the other one, which is going back to body stuff, was this exercise where we had to basically write out like a hundred things that make up a person on this big piece of paper that had a body on it. Like a huge, like just an outline of a body. Yeah. And so you fill in all the things that make up a person. So I would put in things like, oh, sense of humor or you know, opinions about Game of Thrones, you know, all these like... Yeah, all the likes, dislikes. I think we had to come up with like a hundred of them between like five or six of us. Yeah. And at the end of it, Ursula was just like, you know what's missing from there? Physical looks. Mm. Not a single one of us had put that down. Not one of us had ever thought about it. And then Ursula wrote it in, looks. I was like... No one it only makes like one yeah, percent yeah. of the whole thing. So that helped sort of make me able to look in the mirror again. Mm, mm, mm. Like, I'm not going to... Me, uh, being a student of the Project uh, London Dares course, I'm just going to call it London Dares. London Dares is fine. I keep we... calling it Project Dare because for me, <laughs> when I was doing it first, it was Project Dares. That's what the original name. name, right? That was yeah, the original okay. name. Now it's London Dares. Yeah. The thing with London Dares was... LDN it didn't well. LDN Dares, yeah. It did not save my life. That's a thing that needs to be said because... I think if like no one can, mm. that's too much. That's too much from essentially a drama and arts course, which is what it is. But it cracked a glass in my brain that only really shattered like a few months ago, mm. and it was one of the many things. But it definitely helped, and also being in a room where I was 
kind of boring or rather people liked me not because I was a trans person I could be their trans friend or whatever mm. but just because people were like hey you're kind of funny and you're kind of nice and cool let's hang out and that yeah. was I was a person in that room I wasn't just a big collection of weird stuff that makes us people uncomfortable it makes people different yeah yeah okay right so what okay that, it's an interesting side you've come from it uh, and, and join the organisation obviously you've got a lot out of it but going back to where you what you actually do outside of this group then what how much of it did help with that transition actually getting behind a microphone and start speaking do you find the the opening up to dares and getting into that circle allowed you to go down that route or was you doing the journalist journalist things before and that kind of helped you my brain is very very strange I am answering the question and that's a very very no, way, way to open no, the answer but <laughs> When it comes to some things, I could always do them, even no matter how sick I got. Mm. Journalism and stand-up comedy were the two things that I could always do. And people always look, like said to me, like, there was one time I had a suicidal crisis, and then a week later I was doing a gig at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. And my friend was just like, I don't know how the hell you do that. Mm. You were in the hospital a week ago. What are you doing? I'm just like, I couldn't explain it. But then I mm. realized, when I'm doing that, or when I'm doing journalism, I'm on my turf. Mm. And also, with my ADHD brain, it's incredibly exciting. And London Dares did help me with one specific thing. Because uh, in 2019, I was covering Pride in London. Mm -hmm. And I got a press pass. I walked about 20 miles in one day, going up and down the parade route. Like, I spoke to everyone. I spoke to mermaids, the trans kids group. I spoke to a bunch of refugees. I spoke to a bunch of LGBT Muslims. And... Yeah, just every kind of LGBT person well, I think exists. Could, and it yeah, was a lovely yeah. day. But then at the end, at like 7pm, Billy Porter from... Known for Kinky Boots in the States. He was okay. in Kinky Boots, the stage show, and he's on Pose Now, which is probably the best show that's ever been made. Go watch Pose Now. It's on BBC iPlayer. Go watch mm -hmm. it immediately. <laughs> and he was headlining Pride of London. And there was an exercise in Dare's... In Dare, where... You imagine there's a deck of cards. And if you... and one to ten mm -hmm. scale ten is the most confident you can be like one is like the least confident you can be and the idea is that you imagine that you've got an eight or a nine in your back pocket mm. i did that when i rushed backstage cornered billy Porter and was like hello i do this podcast that no one's ever heard of here can you please talk to me for two seconds and for two minutes and he was like absolutely yeah. weird woman who <laughs> just showed up so 30 seconds after i came off stage <laughs> But he was a lovely man and he sat down. And I would never have done that, I don't think. But also, I could do that kind of thing when I was sick. That was the mm, thing. Mm, mm. And I couldn't really understand why. And that made people just be like, well, you can't be really sick if you can do those things. It's like, no, I can do those two things. Yeah. And then just sit on the sofa for days, eating it. marmalade with a spoon and binging <laughs> Game of Thrones. But yeah, that... So it did help me there, but the journalism started years before I did Dares. But then, weirdly, during Dares, what the trans of the podcast kind of started blowing up. Mm, like, okay. I got press passes to cover BFI Flair, the LGBT film festival. Wow, okay. And then, around that time, we had some pretty big people on. Like, we did a Cis Ally special a few weeks after that, during Dares. And that required some tips and tricks from Dares, because suddenly I was talking to Neville Southall, former Everton footballer and most capped Welsh player ever and also super trans ally. Right, okay. And I had no idea he was until my friend was like, Neville Southall's been really on it on Twitter about trans rights recently. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's raised loads of money. He's giving his, wow. he's giving trans people his platform. It's like, 
Neville Southall. <laughs> not the guy I you vaguely have... remember being a footballer like 30 years ago. Yeah, not something you necessarily would have expected. Not no, the support you would I, have thought of. Then I talked to the guy for an hour, mm. just like, I never saw this coming. <laughs> like, I had a few other people on as well. We had like Oliver Thorne, who does a really popular YouTube channel called Philosophy Tube. He's got like mm. close to a million subscribers at this point. He gained nothing from being on what the trans he gained nothing he gave his time for free and he's one of the busiest people in the youtubing scene in the uk youtubing scene so ollie on the rough on the the slight chance you're listening to this thank you so much um, and thank you for listening to our podcast as well yeah give it a share give it a share ollie give it a share um but yeah like um and during that, like dares became very foundational for that period of what the trans were suddenly our audience numbers were doubling mm. because we were getting like through the film festival stuff and through all of these like celebrities we got on for those two cis ally specials because mm. we have a rule we don't have cis people on if we can help it apart from our cis ally specials okay we try to keep it as mu as trans as humanly possible yeah yeah if we have to interview an mp or someone that is cis we'll do it we have to yeah, we'll or somebody to. who organizes the pride or something but yeah i'm with you okay we don't have cis guests un unless under very specific circumstances mm -hmm. but yeah it was really strange time but then project dares definitely helped and then one day like months later ursula called me and said hey do you want to come in and we can talk and i was like okay cool and i was like oh i'm just gonna get a coffee and hang out with ursula and she was like do you want to help run the damn thing and i'm like what <laughs> i had no idea that was coming no one had ever done anything like that to me just being like hello would you like a job and yeah I was like no one's ever offered me a job i haven't applied for yeah <laughs> and i was like well i mean Sure, just don't let me destroy people's minds. <laughs> Which is a possibility because you get people coming through the door who have been through a lot. And I know because I was a person through the door who had been a lot. And I'm just like, I don't want to have that kind of... I'm worried about having that kind of power over someone. Because mm, mm, mm. one thing I say could have tremendous effect on this person. It's good that you're aware of that, though. There's many people that aren't. So it's not a bad thing to be aware of it, at least. It's a good start. I think I, I think I did all right. I mean, Ursula said <laughs> I did all right. And she's like the pro and the queen of this whole it thing. Sounds but like it. Yeah. yeah, it was a good time. Like, and the people on that course were so funny. I can't go into too much detail about who they are, obviously, but they were they such are, lovely yeah, people yeah. and had such a wonderful time with them and just seeing them develop. And mm. a lot of them got jobs at the end of it and all sorts of stuff. Like, I think that's the big thing is that the way that these organizations help people move into their own lives and, and actually start doing the things that they want to do. Um, from near enough, all the conversations, all the spotlight episodes we've done, it seems to be that, that seems to be a following trend that the aim is not just to uh, give people an hour where they can have fun on a stage with some like-minded people. It's not just about giving people food when they come to the food bank. It is about teaching people how to do this in their own time, in their own communities and things like that and actually grow those skills yeah the loveliest thing was right at the end of the the course there's a big like showcase people mm. invite their friends and family to come and watch them and they spend a few weeks working on this big showcase thing and it is terrifying for a lot of people i kept in my comfort zone and did like five minutes of stand-up yeah i mean that's part of me was just thinking i probably should have done a dance <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know Yeah, and that was a lovely thing. And the like to see everybody go up and like a few people came out on stage to certain family members and stuff and it was just like wow, this is wow. this is gosh darn magical. Yeah. And it sounds cheesy when I say that, but it was. <laughs> I had tears in my eyes. 
And then for the course I helped moderate, we did that on the Shakespeare's Globe. We just did that end of year showcase thing on Shakespeare's Globe stage. Wow. Which I didn't see coming from my Ooh, life. I bet. <laughs> like, I was just there practicing like a dress rehearsal, just like, fine. <laughs> this is my life now. Fine. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, so what's next for you in the London Dares then? Are you st- you're obviously sticking with them. You're going to keep working with them. Are you going to, you, are you going into more, uh, or are you going to try and get into the more the volunteering role, or still as a as a member? How's that? How's the future looking? I think I'm <clears throat> sort of on the casual end of things. So I'll basically get an email from Mercer saying, "Yo, you want to do this Come thing? Out. <laughs> yeah, and I'll do it." Like there was one where I did a I and I came up with this, or like a podcasting workshop. Yeah, which was strange because. Our equipment on What the Trans is a Blue Yeti and a laptop that was donated to me. And that's it. And okay. essentially, it was just me teaching what I knew as a self-taught DIY podcaster. Yeah, I know what like, you mean. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking I, your, I, might, I might be coming to that. I'm looking to your, at your setup, and it is actually far more technologically advanced than mine. <laughs> like, we don't have the big mixer boxing thing or anything. We don't have XLR mics like I'm speaking to right now. You actually have a pretty... Like it's all the gear and setup. no idea is what I'd say for Reza, if I'm honest. But... <laughs> like, it seems like this is a this is a real setup. Like I never have guests show up at my place. Like even before COVID, like we do it all on Zoom because my bedroom's too small. I can't have this setup. So you're doing good. You're doing good. Like well, yeah, it took us a while to get this. Hopefully, fit seasons free. We'll stick with it for a while now. But yeah, the, the podcasting workshop was very much sort of led by me, which mm. was thank God I'd done all those years of stand up. Like thank God for that. <laughs> I never made much money in stand-up, but I did make a little. So I did break out of the open mic thing a bit. So I got a little bit more experience of like handling, being basically the center of attention. (laughs) I I had a bit more um, experience of that. So that helped for sure. But just like two hours rushing, basically getting all these people to make their own podcast, Mm. like a two-minute podcast basically each. And I didn't know if it was going to work. I had no idea, but then it did. And they all had a podcast at the end of it. And I went back and I edited it. And a week later, they had their first episode of their wow. podcast idea because the whole thing was that they would start, they would go through the process that I did when I was trying to come up with all the trans with Ashley. Mm-hmm. We would be like, what we're going to call it? What's it going to be about? Who's the audience? And then we'd work on a structure, mm. like intro, the structure of what the trans for example is intro, uh, terrible news, which is basically our news segment, yeah. which is mostly terrible. Mostly terrible, yeah. And the meat which we're trying to call it the vegan meat at the moment, but basically the meat of the episode where we st- study okay. like one big topic. Yeah. Like usually that's when we have guests in. Like, uh, for example, last episode we did, um, we for our meat, we, I talked to, well, me and Ashley talked to Owen Jones and from The Guardian. Mm. That was wild. Wow, that's available okay. now on wherever nice. you get your podcasts. Um, nice. But yeah, like, I forgot where I was going with this. I always forget when I mention the Owen Jones thing. <laughs> you go into your own thing. Uh, we were you were just explaining like um, how the podcast came out of it. You were doing the podcast sessions with a couple of people. Yeah, but yeah, like so, I took them through this process of how me and Ashley came up with what the trans, and then took them through a production process of pre-production, recording, and post-production. Mm-hmm. And it was. A, one of the most amazing experiences of my life to see that it actually worked yeah, and everyone got a podcast at the end of it. Yeah, and yeah. then they could go off and they had the very basics to make their own podcasts. And I made it a very big thing 
and I'm a big advocate for this. I think everyone should do a podcast because I love the medium so much. And don't worry about buying lots of equipment. Use what you've got. Yeah, if you've got you a can. phone, you yeah. can make a podcast. You definitely can, yeah. Hell, if you've got like one of those talk boy things from Home Alone 2, you can make a podcast. <laughs> from the 90s, wow. I, mean, I was talking about that exact <laughs> thing a couple of days ago and I can't believe you know what it is. Oh, what was that? It was. I used to have one and I still can't remember the name. Someone brought that up. I think it's called a talk boy. Was it a talk boy, was it? The silver thing in it, a little little red button. Yeah, I watched Home Alone 2 recently. That would be an amazing (laughs) podcast to make a whole podcast on that. I might do that one day. Okay. If you can get one, like hundreds of pounds on eBay now because they they were in the movie. I looked, you literally like 70, 80 pounds for like your... A damaged one, probably. They are quite expensive. Yeah, if you're going to be starting a podcast and got a budget together, get a Blue Yeti. Yeah. Like, that's what we use. Like, a lot of, like, the more, like, professional sound people just sneer at that and be like, no, you got to get an Art Technica or something. Or, like... But no, they're fine. Yeah. Like, for 100 quid, they're the best quality you'll get. They're the easiest to operate. You plug it into your laptop, go. You don't need to get a box for it. You just plug it in and it works. Mm. Okay. The only problem with that is you might pick up your laptop fan. So watch for that. Sorry, I'm doing the workshop to you now. That's, <laughs> that's my ADHD brain going for it again. But yeah, I'm a big, like, see, that pro- that whole thing was amazing. And I think everyone should do a podcast. Mm. Everyone. So apart from getting people to do podcasts, what would you advise for people in your situation to get involved? How, how would you get involved? How would you with tell them London to get Dares? involved? Yeah, with London Dares. I would say that everyone in, everyone in London who has been through some stuff should probably consider giving it a shot. It may not be right for you. It may not. Some people do drop out because it's not their right fit. But for most people, there is, I've seen it with my own eyes and I've experienced it with my own eyes. There is an improvement. It's not going to change like everything. There is no cure for everything. There's not one pill for everything, yeah. But then like this year, I woke up to my situation as a survivor of an abusive situation that I didn't even, and that's the thing with abuse. Sometimes you don't know. Mm. You have no idea. And I can trace back where sort of the glass encasing this truth started to shatter and dares London dares is one of them because it made me think about things in a different way Mm. and it kind of caused a conflict with the messages that were put there by other people and yeah so seek out London dares give it a go and try things like that Mm. if London dares isn't right for you keep going with that kind of thing go and find community because finding LGBT community in dares was worth so much to me because I was living in a cisgender world, living in a straight cisgender world. And it's very, very isolating and alienating. And then being in that room when I was so boring, that was worth everything. So if you are an LGBT person, I'd say check out London Dare's LGBT thing. And I'd probably be saying that if I wasn't a part of them. Mm. Like if I hadn't, if if Ursula hadn't called me up and I haven't spoken to Ursula in three years, I'd still be saying that. I'm not lying. I make, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of my thing. I'm a journalist. I don't lie. I mean, everyone lies, but I try to keep it to a minimum. I wouldn't lie. For... <laughs> everyone lies, but you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you mean exactly. <laughs> I would not lie. I would not lie to do... I would not lie about something like this yeah. just because there's of the no, thing. There's nothing in it for you to lie about. It, so my lies honest. are basically, I'm sorry I'm late. The train was dead. <laughs> That's my level of lie. I wouldn't lie about something like this. Yeah, of course. No, well, thank you very much, Michelle. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been good fun. It definitely has. And, and all the links will be 
to London Dares underneath LDN Dares uh, if you put it into Google uh, and I'll put all the links up to you the podcast oh you yeah check uh, it out. what the trans and all the things what the trans.com or what the trans whatever you can do social media although it probably follows on Twitter because I have not got the spoons or anything else like twi- <laughs> Twitter takes all my spoons it's a toxic horrible place if oh, you want I to do our social media for us and you're trans please get in touch because you can have it you can have the keys <laughs> but thank you for letting me chat to you no thank you there you have it the london dares project thank you very much ursula and michelle for joining us today guys do check them out at www.ldndares.co.uk also why not check out michelle's podcast what the trance i'll make sure to add all the links below so you can find that easy otherwise enjoy your week and we'll speak to you soon